Listening Dog Media. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. I'm Kate Borsay. We've had another epic day of World Cup action as England were forced to come back from 1-0 down against Colombia. Goals from Lauren Hemp and Alessia Russo, though, seeing the Lionesses through to the semi-finals. They'll face Australia on Wednesday, who made the final four for the first time in their history. That's after beating France in a, well, it can only be described as epic penalty shootout, which included 20 attempts from the spot. Here to analyse the latest twists and turns in this brilliant tournament. I'm feeling rather exhausted. I may have to hand the baton to them to explain what on earth we've just seen. It is the Aston Villa manager, Carla Ward. Hi, Carla. How are you? Very well. Very well. WSL legend and former lioness, Natasha Dowie. Hi, Tash. Hi, Kate. Good to see you. And live from Sydney, the Offside Rules roving reporter, Helen Hardy. Good day. Good day. I'm sailor today and I'm feeling really, really good, guys. So, good day. (laughs) When Helen's feeling good, the world is a better place. There's only one place to start, isn't there, Helen Hardy? And that's with England's 2-1 comeback win against Colombia. We'll get some instant reaction from Helen in just a moment, but let's explain what happened. Serena Wiegmann's England are through to the semi-finals for the third successive tournament after once again showcasing their fighting spirit in a gritty win against Colombia. Lacey Santos gave the South Americans the lead after 44 minutes, chipping the ball over Mary Earps from a tight angle before an error from Catalina Perez allowed Hemp to tuck home just before half-time and Russo's second goal of the tournament saw them through. What an epic game. Let's go straight to you Helen first of all just to pick up the vibes in Sydney please oh my goodness it was incredible so everybody met outside the stadium uh, before the game to watch the Australia game which I just think lifted everything I popped in a little bit before the penalties and watched them inside the stadium but it was so loud that there was maybe a two or three second delay between the penalty going in or being saved 
and the cheers from outside. And I'm telling you, it, the place was rocking. And it really just sort of started this game off with a real bang. And I think we knew coming into this as England fans that we were going to be in the minority. The Columbia fans have been excellent all tournament and they were on force again. It was um, definitely Columbia heavy and lots of Australia fans coming off the back of that incredible penalty shootout. But it didn't matter. England brought the goods today and it was an incredible experience to be here and experience it for myself. What's good, you know, Carla, England probably weren't the better team overall in this game. I don't know where your percentages are on this one, but it was a win and a hard fought win when England didn't necessarily have the rule of the game for me. Yeah, I think that summed us up, hasn't it, all tournament? But we're finding a way and we did it at the Euros, you know. We talk about winning. We didn't. We never really look back at the performances and let's be honest, it was similar at the Euros. We, we weren't convincing in some games there either. So most importantly, we, we find a way and Serena's come up trumps again and deserves an awful lot of credit because, you know, they're finding different ways to win football matches. It's not it's not pretty. It hasn't been pretty throughout the whole tournament. And then Russo, obviously, getting through and going, that'll give her a big lift because obviously, you know, there's got to be pressure when everybody Everybody's talking about, you know, the other options that we do have, uh, of course. But um, yeah, no, delighted for her, delighted for England. And let's not get too ahead of ourselves because Australia are up next and they are, they're going to be a different beast altogether. Spoken like a true manager, Natasha Dowie. I'm not sure whether you'll follow Carla's lead. I don't necessarily agree about the Euros. I, I just felt like the Euros, we had something special and that could just have been the home support, that resounding win against Norway as well, I suppose, sprinkled the stardust over it. And that's what, you know, apart from the China game, England have lacked. Did we see any more of it, Natasha, today? Uh, or is there still a missing element to this England side? I, I feel like I'm left wanting a little bit but perhaps that's maybe the football romantic in me yeah and I think that's what we've been used to for so long watching this England team and especially in the Euros lots of goals comfortable performances comfortable victories and in this tournament you know we scraped through 1-0 against Haiti same against Denmark except for probably the China game it's really the only comfortable game we've faced but if you're asking me as a player would I prefer to be in a semi-final scraping through with 1-0 victories or one goal victories I would take that over having a 90-minute top performance and losing the game. But now we're in that kind of period where you're facing Australia in the semi-final. They are going to have to find something special now. They're not going to be able to probably get away with the performances that they've shown so far because then they will come unstuck against these top, top nations now. So I understand where you're frustrated, Kate, but I think we'd all take a semi-final for England. Yeah, you're probably right. The voice of reason there. Helen, take me through your emotional journey on this one. The Columbia, I thought, were excellent in the first half, I have to say. And they, you know, again, showed that fearlessness and they showed what we knew was going to come the whole way through, the dark arts. Rachel Daly taking an elbow to the face. I think Lauren Hemp had an elbow. They were basically elbows and arms and hands flying in and legs all over the place, weren't there? Yeah, and you bring Tash in for the voice of reason and you bring me in for just a sprinkle of, <laughs> of insanity. Um, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I think that Colombia brings something special to every game they've played in this tournament. And um, the, the goal that they scored, uh, it was unstoppable, absolutely magic. The opposite end of the stadium to me, but the entire place erupted. Could have seen that moment coming because they've proved it yet again with Caicedo and the goal against Germany, of course, probably going down as one of the goals of the tournament. And um, They have it in them to be able to do that, to be able to scare massive teams. I know that it will be raised and I know that it'll, it'll be brought up by, I'm assuming, Carla and Tash. But England have yet again, you know, we talk about the Euros, we talk about this tournament. 
we're the only team that haven't lost a game. I think we have to remember this. Whether it's been 1-0, whether it's been scrapes, whether it's whatever it's been, we are the only team that have got through this tournament without losing a game. And I think we need to remember that. And today, I think that we proved it. With the last five, six minutes, we were on the edge and it was really, really uncomfortable. But we were the team that were in the ascendancy, winning 2-1, and we managed to, to clinch it. And Serena always finds a way. And, and that's how I feel about going into the semi-final. I feel... I feel confident because I think we lift ourselves to the teams that we're up against and we always seem to find a way. What do you make, Carla, as a fellow manager of the In Serena We Trust? Um, sort of, I don't know whether it's a tribute, whether it's a line, however I described it, the mantra, I suppose, isn't it? The mantra. What do you make of the In Serena We Trust mantra? Is it lovely? Is it generous? Is it heartwarming of the England fans? Or is it actually really tough on Serena Wiegmann? I swear. It's fair. I'm a big fan of Serena's, I am, because I think when she came in, let's not forget pre-Serena, where we were, you know, it was disappointment after disappointment. And I think what Serena did is come in and just install belief. She was a, a human being that treated players like human beings, I think. And that was quite big. We spoke about it last week, the importance of that. Tash will tell you as a player, you know, to have somebody that can give you that a bit of belief and bring the best out of you in, in tournament football is, is huge. And so, yeah, we do trust her. Certainly as a nation, we trust her. So, And she's proven it, in not just with England, with the Netherlands as well. So I think it's fair when we say in Serena we trust. And I think as a nation, we, we absolutely do. Flying the flag there, Carla Ward for Serena mm. Wiegmann. Uh, Carla, she's got such a wealth of talent to choose from. One thing Serena Wiegmann's got is options. What did you make of Ella Toon starting this one? She was, of course, the replacement for Lauren James. I think she was the natural replacement, of course. You know, she, she started an awful lot of games under Serena. Serena trusts her. You know, she... She played a big, big part of the Euro, so she knows she can trust her in big games. So I wasn't surprised to see it. And Ella Toon's got a little bit of flack um, at times and, you know, some warranted, some not. But she's a steady player. You know, she's she's a very, very, very good player that can create, that can link the play. And, yeah, it was a natural choice for me and I think it was the right call. And, you know, she's, she's had a steady game again. As a whole, yes. Could we have done more? Absolutely. Um, and you know me, I'll fly the flag for getting Rachel Daly up top. That was probably the only change I would have made <laughs> in-game as well. Rightly in so, because you've, you've basically seen Rach at close quarters for your side all season perform brilliantly. And look, maybe that is a masterstroke that is still to come from Serena Wiegmann, although you will argue that you got there first, of course. <laughs> Tash, come in on this. I mean, look, I think we're all wanting to see it, but... For me right now, I think it would have happened already if it was going to happen. Um, and I think we've all got to just realise that under Serena right now, Rachel Daly is going to be in that kind of win-back role. And she's done a terrific job. You know, she's so reliable. And probably Rachel's biggest pro and con is that she can play everywhere. It's so versatile. So it kind of almost goes against her in a little way. You know, I was just an old school number nine. That was my position. I, did, I couldn't play anywhere else. So I think credit to Rachel um, and the way that she's just taken it on the chin, she's got on with it, she hasn't moaned, because I think a lot of top strikers probably would have had a little bit of a dig, and you you never know what's happened behind the scenes, but too right, she's the top goal scorer in the WSL, so she has every right to kind of be frustrated by that, but she hasn't shown that, she's done what's needed for the team, and the other girls are chipping in now, Hemp scored, Russo scored, so I think that's a key thing as well, the other forwards are having more of an impact now, probably also because they know 
that they've got the WSL top goal scorer within the team. And if they're not performing, that is another option for Serena. Mm, yeah, of course, Hemp and Russo, great second half for them today. Helen, seeing it live, I mean, someone like Alex Greenwood, we need to point her out as well, really. I was listening to the commentary earlier. She's made more passes than any other player at this World Cup. And that gives you a hint um, of how there are personalities in the team who we don't necessarily speak about week in, week out, but who are so essential to this side working and cohesing properly. Yeah, and I spoke about the last, the, the back three in the episode where we were talking about the Nigeria game, which of course was a, a bit of a disappointment, I think, for anyone that supports England. Alex Greenwood has been a kind of shining light in this England squad throughout the tournament. And for this game, I was thinking if we went back to the four at the back, which of those three players are you going to take out from Millie Bright, Jess Carter and Alex Greenwood? Because all three have been so solid. I also think that she's been linking up really well with Rachel Daly and it's allowed Rachel Daly that freedom down that left-hand side. I know Carla might not want to hear it, um, but I think she does work really well down that left-hand side. And then, of course, Alex Greenwood seems to be the staple choice for free kicks as well. I think she's been doing some amazing deliveries where really difficult from set pieces as well. So she, for me, has been one of the star players. Today, for me, in that back line, Lucy Bronze, I thought was absolutely excellent. I thought she had a cracker of a game today. And you've got to remember, Lucy Bronze was the player that was up against Caicedo, who caused no end of problems down that side. So she managed to keep her at bay whilst also creating attacking options as well. Well, England are the only side to reach these semi-finals, having conceded first in their quarter-final. We caught up with Ella Toon after the game and asked what happened on the pitch when England went a goal down. I think it was just that belief. Um, when you go 1-0 down, you don't think about it too much. It was early on in the game and it was how we can react to that and I thought we reacted really well. We kept the ball really well, we stuck to our game plan and a goal came before half-time which was perfect and yeah, I don't think as a team that, that affected us at all. Um, it was refocus and go again and we did that. Well, with one eye on England's next opponents, here's Ella again on how the team are going to deal with Australia and the partisan crowd. Yeah, we know how important it is that um, when you're the host nation, obviously it helped us during the Euro win. Um, but I feel like a lot of this tournament, we've had a lot of fans against us. Um, so I think we're definitely used to it now. Tonight, you heard the Columbia fans. They were unbelievable. They were so loud and, and they made it difficult for us. Um, but we know how to deal with that now. And, and yeah, we know that Australia will definitely have a lot of fans as well. So we'll definitely be prepared for that and we won't listen to it. And we'll block it out. And we know that our fans are there as well, supporting us from home as well. That was Ella Toon speaking to the offside rule. It was such a fascinating battle, wasn't it, Tash? Our back three, England's back three, rather, against Colombia's front three for the most part. Ramirez in there, Caicedo, um, and Lacey Santos as well, who was who got the goal, but was also incredible during this game as well. What did you like about Colombia? What can we take from this Colombia side, despite the dark arts being in action? We need to recognise just how well they've done in this tournament and actually how, how exciting they are to play. It's not just the fan support it's not just everything around them they are a great team to watch they are they're so comfortable on the ball I love Ramirez I love everything about her she's my type of centre forward strong she bullies the centre halves hold up play brings her team into play but also can roll and you know get ground for her team as well and I think her and Millie Bright I love that matchup a couple of times they went shoulder to shoulder and it was tasty I think she actually had the beating of Alex Greenwood probably pace wise and strength wise and probably should have looked to play on her a bit more out of the back three, because um, I think Jess Carter's a strong centre-half as well, 1v1. 
But yeah, I've been really impressed with Ramirez and I'd actually love to see her maybe come to the WSL. And I'm sure a lot of the top clubs are looking at her as a striker now. Um, and yeah, I think you've got to give credit to Colombia because when you go into the game, you think, right, is this them done now? You know, they've overachieved. They've got they've got this far already. You know, is it a bit too much? And yeah, when England got that go, you think, oh, it's game over now. But they always stayed in it. And I think that's that's what I've been most impressed with, the results that they've had throughout the knockout stages. But then still to be going for it against England and to see England clearing their lines with like a couple of minutes to go. You know, these are top international players and they looked under pressure against this Columbia team. I, I think credit to them. They can walk away with their heads held high because they literally gave everything. And it's been a pleasure to watch some of these players and get to know new players on the world scene. Let's talk about Australia then. We are going to go into their game in just a few moments time. But Carla, as we anticipate England versus Australia in the semi-finals of the World Cup, in Australia, um, it's a really hard one to call because I think Australia have been fantastic. We'll go into the detail in a moment. Should there be any changes for this game? Do you like uh, how England are lining up so far? Is there anything that you would do, just bearing in mind the Australia side that you've seen so far? I don't think there will be any changes. I really don't. I think uh, the back three probably haven't been spoken about enough because I think they've been excellent. They've been solid. Jess Carter has been absolutely brilliant, as has Greenwood and Bright. So I don't see that changing at all. Obviously, Rach at left back, uh, left wing back and, and Lucy Bonds at right wing back as a five, as a unit, both on and off the ball have been excellent. So I don't see it changing. If I'm honest, I think she'll roll out the same 11. Um, it will be a slightly different test, of course. Australia have got so much quality, they really have. And they've grown as the tournament's gone on. And you can see, I'm sure Helen will tell you, some of the some of the scenes over there is, is reminiscent of what we saw back here in England last, last year. So I think they'll... They'll look forward to this for sure. They, they might from a mental side. Obviously, they, they got one over on us before uh, before the tournament. So, look, they'll come into it full of confidence. But as will we, you know, beliefs growing. We're winning games. Like Helen said, we're, we've not we've not lost the game yet. So, I, I see it being a, an almighty matchup and I think it will be a cracking game. I really do. How many thousands of fans were outside the stadium in Sydney today, Helen? Loads and loads, I'm sure. Where do you see the support going? What I've seen has been the movement in Australian is reminiscent of Euro 2022 and what happened in the UK. Um, it's It's been incredible. And I think it's been talking to Australians about it and that's really opened my eyes. People saying, oh, you know, switching over from the ashes to watch the women's football. You know, this morning I went to grab a coffee and the coffee shop the two days ago was just a standard coffee shop and now it's just turned yellow and it says, go the Matildas. There's suddenly uh, World Cup balls behind the counter on, on each little gap and there's um, they've got the toy uh, mascot sitting on the side and everybody's wearing Matilda's shirts going in, the little girls are coming in. I'm thinking the movement's happening. We start to see this at this stage of the tournament last year where it's really galvanised the entire country. It's fantastic seeing this movement happen, happening. But what I will say is, tonight, I've been to a lot of the Australia games. I've, I've kind of been following them a little bit, been to three or four of the Australia games in the run-up. Tonight, the Columbia fans gave England a proper test in terms of what it is to be on the other side of it. We were outnumbered 10 to 1, and they weren't just, you know, sitting there to, to enjoy the ride. They were loud, drums, music, dancing, a lot. So if England could do that tonight and manage to get through it and manage to ignore the outside noise, Australia, I think, they'll, they'll be able to match it and they'll be able to um, 
to sort of block out that noise. We'll dive into Australia, the pros and cons, maybe how England can get at them in just a few moments' time. For now, though, we should let you go, Helen, before anyone tries to convince you to to wear a green and gold shirt around Sydney. (laughs) Uh, She's in a full England kit at the moment. Uh, As ever, our roving reporter, Helen Hardy. Always good to see you. Catch you next time. See ya. Bye. This is Jade Moore. Join us for the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. The Matildas then are through to the semi-finals after beating France 7-6 on penalties after a thoroughly entertaining 0-0 draw in Brisbane, uh, having never previously made it past the quarter-final stage in three attempts and with the last four hosts all exiting at this stage, the weight of history was definitely on Australia, but they created numerous opportunities during the game and finally took their third opportunity to win the shootout. Uh, I say third opportunity because uh, they'd missed two previous ones in what was a mega shootout, Natasha Dowie. Um, I was desperately trying to write it all down. My pen was scrawling over my paper at record speed. 20 penalties in total. And it got to the point where you're like, I'm not sure this player really wants to take this one now. (laughs) uh, First of all, it was a really cagey game, a nervy game, I thought, for the majority of the 90 minutes. It could have gone either way. I think at the start, France had control. But then I think the impact of Kerr coming on seemed to kind of flip the momentum for Australia and the whole crowd got lifted. All the individual players got lifted. Um, And then when it went to penalties, you know, it was anyone's. You thought, you know, Mackenzie Arnold stepping up, having just saved one and then she hits the post. And then Darley's situation going twice the same way. And obviously, sorry about that, Wardy, but that was a tough one for one of your players. And And then Courtney Vine, you know, having played over in the A-League in Australia, I played against Courtney Vine many a times when she was at Sydney, always the young kid, you know, had a lot of potential. But to see her progression over the last couple of years and her impact within the senior team now and to step up and she just slotted it away so coolly. I think actually out of everyone, she looked the calmest. Um, And so that was great to see as well. And you know, Australia, England, that's going to be one tasty semi-final. Yeah, total props to Mackenzie Arnold in this one, who's saving penalties, then missed her penalty, then had to get back in the goal, Carla Ward, to save some more. Um, it was just, I just thought, well, I actually thought she was the player of the game, the Australia goalie. Uh, she's 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 been incredible the whole tournament. The number of clean sheets she's kept as well, is it three and four? I can't quite remember, but she's been absolutely astounding and she's been a big part of Australia's success. Yeah, she's thrown into the tournament. She's been she's been exceptional, as as have Australia on a whole. But I thought today, after missing the penalty, I think that takes a lot to then stand up and, and go again. But credit to her. She's a pro and she's shown that. But she, she didn't over-celebrate either when she did it. She knew she had to stay calm and it takes a lot. Um, in that moment, as anybody will tell you that's played the game, to to get to pick yourself up um, and go again in that moment was huge. So yeah, credit to her, but she fully deserved to be on the winning team. I thought over the course of 120 minutes, I thought actually Australia deserved it. I thought they had the better chances. You know, they stifled France's play from start to finish, and and, and I do think they deserved it over the course of the uh, 120. Mackenzie Arnold, by the way, uh, three clean sheets in a row, five in the last six matches, three saves, of course, in that penalty shootout. I don't know whether I completely agree, Carla. I've been like opposite to you in this show, haven't I, so far today? But I I think France might have just edged it, despite Australia having, I think, uh, the better of the play towards the end of the first half and certainly uh, 
um, in the second half with the arrival of Sam Kerr. I thought that they looked physically stronger. They looked like they wanted it more. But then the substitution for France, I thought, was absolutely key. And just they they were then just able to assert their influence on the game. What did you make of it, Natasha? If we're going to break this down a little bit more into, um, and, and, and I'll be discussing France in detail with Julien Laurent in just a minute, but in terms of where Australia were able to do what they were good at in this game, and, and, and then also, you know, points where England can look to take advantage against them. Yeah, I think the thing with Australia is they have different styles of play. They, they have a lot of players that can possess the ball, especially in midfield. I think they're very strong on the ball, comfortable on the ball, but they've also got that attacking style of play as well with the counter-attack, especially when Kerr's on the pitch. Um, But also, I think the way what they did clever today was they made the game chaotic. And I actually think that suited Australia more. I did say in the first 20 minutes, I thought France were very comfortable. They should have gone 1-0 up. Lacroix, I don't know how she missed, to be honest, was I think it was five yards out. She put it over. And I think if France had scored that, it might have been a different situation. But then as Australia stayed in the game, Mary Fowler had a couple of very good chances just before the half and just straight after the second half. So then the longer they stayed in the game, which I think is what Australia wanted, they knew if we can get to 60 minutes, Sam Kerr will be introduced. Let's be in the game for when she's then introduced. And then, yeah, they have that nasty side to them. Gori, you know, she puts in tackles. You know, she breaks up play. Hayley Razzo, we know that she loves to throw herself about as well and kind of make it a little bit ugly. So they don't mind that side. And I think going into the England game, they'll bring that, you know, they'll bring that ugly side of the game as well and try and stop England's momentum. Um, But that's the thing that I've been most impressed with Australia is the different kind of styles that they've been able to implement throughout this World Cup, whoever they're playing against. It'll be interesting to see if Sam Kerr starts. I don't think she will, just purely because, you know, to ask 90 minutes of her plus then potentially extra time against England. However, I do think maybe she'll be introduced at halftime mm. or earlier on in the game. She's so useful, isn't you she? Did, yeah, you saw the impact that she had straight away. It just, Wendy Renard was worried about where she was in the box, you know, wanting to pick her up and then it frees up other players in the box as well. She just has, you know, this whole fear factor um, and England will be where, well aware of that. Yeah, I thought Claire Hunt, Alana Kennedy, superb at the heart of Australia's defence. And Sam Kerr, you know, her minutes were really well managed, it turned out, by Tony Gustafsson. Not a coincidence, I'm sure, but she was on uh, at around 55 minutes, made all the difference. Carla, let's get some thoughts from you just on where England can exploit Australia. It's going to be such a tough matchup. Australia are going to have a 12th player in the crowd. But what can England do? Where can they exploit? I think through through both um, Lucy Bonds and Rach Daly, because they'll if they set if we set up in the same way and and as as uh, Australia have set up in a four four two, they go narrow, they go compact, they go together. So we've got to be able to to play down the sides. I think that's going to be really important. And then if we can, obviously back through um, Kira Walsh and Georgia Stanway, they are going to be key. Those four players are going to be massive. Being in a position to be able to come back out and switch to be able to get us a strong side, I think. It's going to be huge. So Lucy Bronze and Rachel Daly are going to play a massive, massive part, I have no doubt. Well, it does mean France have had their third quarterfinal exit from a major tournament. Let's catch up with the, the France football journalist, Julien Laurent, who's covering the World Cup with ESPN. Julien, commiserations. I speak to Thank you. you. Probably not in the happiest of moods at the moment. <laughs> no, I'm very disappointed, to be fair, because, you know, your team loses on penalty in such a dramatic way as well because it was such a tight penalty shootout, 20 penalties to get to that result. I thought the, the French did well in that game. They did okay. They, they could have won the game. Certainly some of the, the girls that I saw after the game were saying that 
they really believed that they were on top and they could have won the game before the penalty shootout. And then it's heartbroken to lose that way. I think they can be very proud of a lot of things, but certainly right now it will hurt for, for quite some time. Julian, as you start to think about summing up the game, what was the difference between both sides? I totally agree, actually. France probably had the better of the game as a whole, particularly from sort of 60, 70 minutes onwards. Mm. Australia looked so tired towards the end. Was it the home crowd? You were there, you were at the stadium. Was that the 12th player? I mean, uh, the atmosphere was incredible. Really, really was. We expected the end. Uh, both Le Sommer and Renard in their press conference yesterday on Friday before the game talked about it and they were they were releasing it. It was not like, oh, we're scared. Or, but they said, we, we know that we're not just playing against the team. That was the, the big words from the big sentence from Renard was that we're not playing against the team. We play against the whole nation, which was exactly that. The stadium was incredible. The atmosphere was fantastic. A lot of families were there and they were really pushing their team until the end, especially, as you say, in those kind of more difficult moments. I thought the French started really well. It could have been 2-0 up easily. Lacroix had that unbelievable chance early on. And then the, the end of the first half and the start of the second half, the Matildas were the better team and the French lost some control, which I was I was really surprised about because even if some of our key players like Guillermo, for example, Tonelli in mid, midfield were maybe not at their best, Dali either, we were still in control of the game after the, the, the half hour kind of thing. And then, they, to be fair to them, they fought really hard, the Australians. They were... They were good on transitions. Fowler had that incredible chance that they had made themselves on the line somehow. And then after that, once Fowler missed that other chance at the start of the second half, I thought the game was a bit more even. And then towards the end, like you said, the French were, were stronger physically. They were clearly stronger. They had, they had some chances in, the, in, in extra time too. It was just, I think they were not clinical enough. I would, I would have liked Le Sommer to have one chance just to be closer to the goals. But in the end, it looked like he was going to penalty. We kind of knew before that Renard had the idea in mind to replace the goalkeepers. And that's basically what he took Solène Durand with him, the third goalkeeper, just in case there were a penalty shootout at some point. So I saw her going warming up with the Serbs and I was like, a goalkeeper going to warm up 10 minutes before the end is not, it's not by coincidence. And then she came back to the bench in front of me to get some instructions. And I knew by then, and I tweeted it, He's going to bring her on now. And she took the bib off and, and here she went. And to be fair, she saved two. She, she almost saved the third one that would have won us the game. But it was just not enough in the end. And maybe the crowd in the shootout made a difference. I don't know. But it was an incredible dramatic end. And look, she was up against another goalkeeper who was probably the player of the game in Mackenzie Arnold, who's yeah. kept numerous clean clean sheets now. Is it five in six or something like that? So she's up against tough opposition, really, when it came to the goalkeeper. What did you think about the decision then not to bring on most of your subs until right uh, towards the end of, uh, of extra time? You had Vicky Besho on. Uh, at around 64 minutes, who I think was actually really important, really integral, wasn't she, to France starting to contain the game a little bit better. They just looked a little bit calmer, I thought. Mm. But then nothing until 100 plus minutes, right to the end of extra time. Do you think Renard should have perhaps tried to change it up a little earlier? I think it's a good debate. I mean, Bechot has been uh, super serb. I mean, she's 19, she's star for the future there's no doubt she's so she's so, so good. mature as well isn't yeah. she she's brilliant she's been very good since a very young age anyway she was you know she she was playing two years up for most of her career certainly with the youth French team so she's the star of the future I think the problem for Renard now is the depth in the squad that is maybe not as good as he would like it to be 
So, yeah, maybe Logarek could have come on. Then in terms of forwards, nobody's better than Diani or Summer, and you kind of needed them for the penalty shootout anyway. Diani um, as well. You wouldn't Diani have changed that at all. Yeah, mm. exactly. Gayoro, you keep her. Um, Basha and Karshawi, the same. So it was a bit limited, I think, in what he could do. He brought Perise because she's really good at taking penalties and she missed hers. And things, you know, things like that happen, of course. But I think about the players who are not in this World Cup, and I know every team has some injuries, had some injuries, but Amandinori would have been great for the depth in the squad. Katoto, of course, Cascarino, the other Cascarino would have been great. So there's a few that are in the squad or even starting that are not here. But tonight, I felt certainly, and I think he felt too, that maybe the depth was just not there to be able to to have a game changer coming on, apart from Bécho later in the game. Mm-hmm. I know everyone's very worried about Le Sommer's nose. She took a massive thwack to it. It didn't look right the whole way through, actually. It didn't look broken. Uh, mm. I don't know if you've had any update on that. It'll have an absolutely whopping bruise on it tomorrow, whatever Yeah, happens. I saw her after the game, actually. In the oh, you did? She, yeah, she still had the blood and she said, I'm okay, I'm okay, it's good. She was, she's great. She's really, really cool. And she said, for losing, losing a game like this, she said she felt for, for so much of the game that we were going to win it. She said, I, I don't think I've ever lost a game that I really believed so much I was actually going to win. And she said, it's going to hurt so much for so long. I mean, Guillermo cried in the mix zone, which knowing her well is very unlike her, but that was how, how big this was really. And I think the girls felt that tonight and you know whoever they would have played and England or Colombia in the semi-final and then Spain or Sweden in the final mm-hmm. they really felt that the glass ceiling that the quarterfinals have been in World Cups but also in Euros apart from in England last year was was gone and that they would qualify and then then anything was possible they could have gone and win it and, and bring the cup home I, I think they really felt shattered by that defeat on penalties tonight. Tell me if you've heard from the manager post-game. And actually, you've had that managerial change, Diak leaving and Hervé Renard coming in March. Um, how important has that been for the team? Does everything seem much better for you? You've been in and around the team, talking mm. to the team much more than I have, of course. What do you sense uh, about the managerial change and then how this team looks going forward? I mean, that's what we need to remember is that four months ago, it was so different. And from where this team started to where it got, and of course, the disappointment tonight and the sadness are huge. But this was a team that was completely broken down, that was at war with their own manager, that they got sacked in the end, to be fair to the players. But for Renard to arrive on March 31st and to do this job in such a short time, getting this team together, because what everybody was saying tonight, apart from the disappointment, was... The unity in this team is so strong that we're going to get stronger from it. And we're going, we were so proud. All the girls said how proud they were from, of the staff, of the rest of the squad, of the young players, of the older players, depending on who you were talking to, and how proud they were to be French and to, to be part of this team and of this adventure here in Australia. So this is huge positive. And for Renard to have built this, and yesterday I've asked him, I said, what's, what's the method? How do you do it? Do you organize like, Cards tournament every Tuesday or something, and and the summer laughed and said, "No, we 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 do jigsaws together," which is not completely true, but not completely wrong either. But for him to have created that team spirit, that mindset, that unity, I think is is incredible, and they're gonna get they're gonna come out back stronger from this tonight. In a year time, is the Olympics at home in Paris, which they're gonna be so determined to do well. Hopefully, the injured players are gonna be back. The younger players like Bisho, the others will get. The better and stronger and hopefully in a year time at the Olympics we could be the winners but but the, the, really the message was 
one incredible job they've all done together. The players to welcome Renard and his staff, Renard to do what he's done in terms of team unity, especially in team spirit, but also I thought tactically the move from the 4-3-3 to the 4-4-2 was very interesting, very clever. And yet tonight, not good enough in the end, but I think there's far more positive than negative to take away from this World Cup. Yeah, which I have to say, having covered quite a few World Cups, of course, where France have always reached that glass ceiling, very different to what we've heard before yeah. in previous editions. You know that um, more than anyone else, really, Julien. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Always really, really great to speak to you and get your insight you on much. what the players and managers have had to say. Uh, Julien Roll, thank you. Thank you. Well, before we go, let's just check in with our ones to watch predictions game. We're not making any predictions today. They will come in our semi-finals preview show on Monday. But let's catch up with the scores as they stand, because I know Carla Rod and Natasha Dowie are heavily invested in this all the way through. So in terms of scores, because Diani scored in the penalty shootout, I get a point. That moves me into first place, both of you. Now you can understand why I was so keen to repeat <laughs> the scores as they stand. Uh, so I've got 28 points. Mary Earps, I mean, it serves the producers right for stealing my last idea at the last England game. Uh, Mary Earps, no points for her. So the producers stay on 27. Jade Moore went for Alessia Russo. Uh, She bagged the most points. Uh, Russo's goal takes the pundits to 15. You'll be pleased to know. Carla, I think maybe we adopt you as Lindsay's uh, scorer at this point. Lindsay picked Eugenie Le Sommer, a uh, point for her, of course, for her penalty in the shootout. Uh, so that takes Lindsay to 14 points. That's where they stand right now. Check out our semi-final preview show uh, for the next predictions. And do let us know what you made of today's results as well using the hashtag OffsideWC and the handle at OffsideRulePod. Uh, a huge thanks, by the way, uh, to Carla Ward. Uh, I think Jade Moore owes you a coffee, Natasha Dowie, after the France Australia game. Am I correct? Oh, she owes me plenty of coffees right now. Yeah, looking forward to it. A nice chai latte. <laughs> there we go. And a big thanks to Julian Loren, who we heard from earlier, and Helen Hardy as well. This has been the Offside Rule World Cup Daily with Sky Sports. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Next up, our semi-finals preview will be with you on Monday. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.